doctrines and spiritual teachings of Rumi and uh, we're very happy to have him back. Tonight he'll be talking about the harmony in Rumi's work, trying to resolve some of the apparent contradictions in the expressions of Rumi and bringing us to the ideas and the meaning underlying those apparently contradictory expressions. So I'd like to welcome Dr. Gumtree back for, I'm sure, what will be another very uh, inspiring series of seminars. Thank you. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to this second seminar, which, as Dr. Lewison just explained, is about the philosophical doctrines and uh, spiritual teachings of Rumi. In the previous seminar, we emphasized more on the stories and less on the wisdom and philosophy behind and between the stories. And in this seminar, we are going to unveil those parts which we have failed to do in the first seminar and to discuss a little bit more about the same stories and the discussions which, for which those stories are just illustrations. Actually, the whole work of Rumi, Masnavi, is just one discussion. He has started to speak about love and then every now and then he gives some illustration in the form of stories and parables and fables and tales. Rumi is a good example or probably the best example of the poet described by W.H. Oden who says follow poet follow right to the depths of the night and with unconstrained voice call us to ecstasy and rejoice. Mm -hmm. So it is Rumi who is calling you to his gathering. I am going to start this seminar with a sonnet calling people to a spiritual gathering. Come hither, come hither, for otherwise you will get repentant of this separation. Come to our sweet gathering, to our sweet banquet. What is so much anxiety and so much care and grief? Leave them all and come to our gathering. Come hither, come hither. Life is seizing, is waving in this gathering. God is sitting there and wine is being passed around. The wine of Mansur, the mystical wine 
the spiritual wine of Mansur Hallaj. به دست تره خوبان به جای دسته گل In one hand you can get the tresses, the lock of the beloved instead of flowers and under your feet you have flowers instead of carpet به زیر پای بنفشه به جای محفوری هزار جام سعادت بنوش ای نومید drink a thousand cups of blessing oh despaired one oh the one who has lost your hope هزار جام سعادت بنوش ای نومید بگیر صد زر و زور ای قریب زرزوری please get Please come and get these golds and power. We are offering you gold and power. Oh, a stranger from the city of Zarzur. You know, he is playing with the word Zarzur is the name of a city. But at the same time, Zar means gold and Zur is might and power. So he says, I'm going to give you Zar. Gold, oh, a stranger from Zarzur. Come here and I'll give you both Zar and Zur, and both power and gold. Mian Bahr Asal Bang Mizanat Harjan, Biyake Baz Rahidam, the Shahd Zamburi, in the midst of an ocean of honey and nectar, every soul is shouting, is crying. is shouting that uh, come here because we have get released, relieved from uh, the honey which is followed by a sting mm. of bee. <laughs> here you can find the honey which is not followed by any uh, bitterness, by any sting. We said a little bit about the life of Rumi. He was born in Balkh, which is now in Afghanistan. In the beginning of the 7th century, of course, after uh, Muhammad's flight to Mecca, which is about 600 years, you have to add 600 to any number given. almost 600, 621 actually because it was in the year 621 when the flight happened and uh, his father was a scholar and a spiritual guide called Baha'uddin and uh, uh, his, he has got uh, two books, two volumes of books of his sayings, um, words of wisdom called Ma'arifi Baha'i Walad, which is very famous. Because of, uh, for the fear of the Mongol invasion, which had just started, and uh, also for, for certain political considerations 
and pressures which was on the father of Rumi because he was not a formalist and he could not reconcile himself to those uh, formal and uh, I could say uh, not fanatic if you could say but at least very um, prejudicious about their ideas mm-hmm. so he left Balch dogmatic uh, yes dogmatic yes and uh, to make a pilgrimage to Mecca and uh, on the way in Neshabur they happened to meet Attar the great Sufi poet and a forerunner of Rumi whose conference of birth is actually a forerunner to Masnavi. He saw the child, the young child who was 12 years old at that time and uh, told his father that this child is going to set fire to the whole world in a short time. And Rumi later in Masnavi refers to it, سُخْتَمْ مَنْ سُخْتَ خَاهَتْ كَسِي تَازِ مَنْ آتَشْ سَنَدْ اَنْدَرْ خَسِي I am aflame, I am ablaze. So come here and get the flame and anyone who wants to uh, get fire, you can come here. So, then they go to Mecca and come back and settle down finally in the city of Konya, which is in Turkey now. And there Rumi married when he was about 18 years old and uh, had a number of children. Then his father died. He had another master, Borhan Eddin Tarmazi. And he was a great scholar when he was about 39 and a great teacher and uh, preacher as well in Konya. But in the year 642, after the flight, a great happening changed the whole life of Rumi. Mm. And just like Chinggis Khan, who ravaged all through Iran, another Turk, he was Turkish also, another Turk invaded Rumi, the kingdom of Rumi, and ravaged his heart. And filled it with the light of God, with love, and filled it with Himself, and uh, purified it of all selfish desires and all limitations, and made it as big as the whole world. As Rumi explains, even greater, what is the world? The world is lost in his heart. He says, In Jahan Chon Kuze, Del This whole world is just a picture. But the heart is an ocean. In Jahan Chon Kuche, Del This world is just one narrow street. But the heart is a great, great city. Chis and Dar Kuze Kandar Bahnis. What there you can find? What can you find in this? in the pitcher which is not in the, in the ocean? What can you find in the street which is not in the city? 
جسم تو جز است جانت کل کل although you are just a very small part of the universe but your true being your soul your heart is uh, greater than, than the universe itself mm. so uh, this great wandering Sufi Shamsuddin Tabrizi happened to come to Rumi and the whole works of Rumi are description of this first meeting what happened it is unutterable actually although he has said so many uh, thousands of poems about it but still uh, many scholars say we do not know what uh, Shamsuddin Tabrizi said to Rumi and it's a secret still what happened between them in that first meeting and there are many stories I'm not going to narrate those stories which are symbolic of course but there are many stories um, of their first meeting but what we know is that uh, he gave Rumi a great rejoice and happiness a never changing happiness his life after this meeting as Havlok Ellis says is a dancing towards God he is constantly dancing and twirling and whirling and singing and um, creating uh, melody and rhythm and harmony his poetry is really uh, rhythmical creation of beauty he has created many new rhythms in Persian prosody in Persian uh, measures and uh, many of them are original and uh, was not used by previous poets he created it out of his own joy out of his own uh, ecstasy now, I'll explain later how these measures uh, have been made as he was dancing and singing and listening to music since he was listening to music the music had a certain rhythm and he got inspiration from the music and then created new forms of uh, rhythm new combinations and uh, if a group of artists would try to paint what Rumi has said about Shams then a great gallery would be produced <laughs> and on the door of on the entrance door of that gallery you could write this line of Rumi a bastigan tan be tamashay jan ravid zira rasul guf tamasha mubarak ast oh those who are in chains and fetters of your body come to this gallery come to this uh, exhibition and see the world of life the world of soul because it is a blessing to see the soul so just as 
Rembrandt, the great artist, classical artist, he painted a hundred, almost a hundred different portraits of himself in different uh, states of his mind, in when he was sorrowful, when he was happy, when he was old, when he was young. There are many, many portraits by Rembrandt, self-portraits. So Rumi has given more than a thousand portraits of Shams. And he has borrowed everything in uh, his paintings. Everything in nature, in this world and the other world, in the world of form, in the world of meaning, from heaven, from hell, from nature, angels, Gabriel, archangels, the devils, all have been used to paint the, a picture of Shams. Sometimes he says, as Char Sahargo Yeki Moh Ayonshu. Early in the morning, suddenly a moon appeared in the sky. And then it came down, the moon, and looked at me. And then all of a sudden, like a falcon, like a prey bird, bird of prey, mm. he captured me and robbed me of my heart and then went back to the sky. <laughs> See, this is one picture, for example. There are so many pictures. Um, you can see that it is not only the sun, which is a symbol of Shams. Sometimes the sun, sometimes the moon, sometimes he is a star, sometimes he is a lion, sometimes he is an elephant, Sometimes he is uh, an angel. Sometimes he is God. He is my Shams. He is my God. Um, he is called a devil, a magician, everything. You can hardly find anything which has not been used for description of Shams. This Shams lived with Rumi only for no more than three years in two sessions, uh, I mean not sessions but in two periods of time, the first time a couple of, uh, I mean a number of months and then for two years again. This Shams was not a writer, was not a great scholar, but what he said was exceptionally penetrating and inspiring. His words are like, uh, I have compared it to diamond, which is cutting, very small, very small, brilliant, and cutting. Uh, just in a few words, he robs you of your heart. Just in a few words. And uh, he doesn't use any uh, ornaments in speech. Very, very simple, sometimes very vulgar even. It seems to be vulgar, but uh, very deep and penetrating and very sincere. You can touch a man. You see, it is not words, it's a man behind the words that you touch. So it is because of these words. These words are just like Rumi. They, they have been collected. Come in, please. They have been collected in... Uh, a book called uh, Shams, 
Discourses of Shams, Discourses of Shams Tabrizi, which is a collection of sayings as well as tales and stories. Uh, many of them have been recreated in Masnavi of Rumi. Actually, uh, many parts of Masnavi are versification of those same prose writings and sayings of Shams. There are many, many stories. And uh, like the stories, uh, tales from Masnavi, many of them are humorous. I'll just tell you a few. But each of them has a jewel in it. I'll give you just one. Uh, there is the story of three daughters, I mean three girls, who were sitting together and uh, they were discussing about the job of their father. And they, are, they were showing off. And one of them said, well, my father is a great person. He is the special weaver of the king. And he weaves uh, maize and other garments for him. And uh, he is so favorable. I mean, he is uh, so greatly loved by, my, by the king that the king kisses his hand. The second girl said, well, it doesn't matter that the king kissed the hand of your father. It is not great because he really didn't kiss the hand of your father. He kissed the male. He kissed those garments. Not, he has nothing to do with the hand of your father. He doesn't love your father. He loves the male. And then the third girl, who had uh, a disfigured leg, lame leg and disfigured, yes. ugly. He said, yes, you are right. Crippled. If Yes, because if the king uh, had kissed my feet, uh, this one which is disfigured, just for the sake of me, just that people would say that king kissed this girl. This is the girl who was kissed by the king, not because of anything. And would give something from himself, not take something for himself. There, when he is kissing, he is taking something. But love is giving rather than taking. So, this is just uh, a description of true love. Uh, you see, this is not love. You are calling all to yourself. You see, this is not love. This is begging. A beggar he is calling that give this to me. This is a good girl. It's good for me. He can serve me. You see? So when people say I love something, it means that it is helpful and it can serve me. But true love is like a son. Like Shantitab Rizvi. Who gives. And this is all generosity and magnanimity. It doesn't want anything. It is just diffusing light for no purpose, just for the sake of loving. So, there is another story uh, that a person was explaining mm, and discussing about fish. This fish is a symbol of a spiritual master, which few people come to know him. Fish is a spiritual master. Prophets are also called fish. Because the fish 
never gets satiated of water. <laughs> Rumi divides people in two groups. Those in, in regard to water, this, the water which is the elixir of life. Some people just take a draught and then they are full and they wish no more. But some people like fish. They are in the ocean and they are never, never tired of it. And some are totally deprived. They never get a drop of it. So fish is a symbol of uh, spiritual master and prophets as well. Mahyan Pak Bahri Kibriya has Quran Halhaya Ambiya Mahyan Pak Bahri Kibriya. The prophets are uh, fishes in the ocean of God. So somebody was uh, a great scholar, probably, was explaining about discussing about fish, that fish is such and such animal. Somebody was sitting there and said, Well, you don't know anything about fish. The man said, how dare you say that? I have made seven voyages to, to the sea, to the oceans, and uh, how do you say that I don't know fish? The man said, if you know fish, please explain what is the form of it, what is the shape of it. He said, well, it's quite clear. It has two horns like a camel. The man laughed and said, well, I, I knew that you didn't know anything about fish, and now I know that you don't, you can't distinguish between a camel and a cow. <laughs> so he is uh, satirizing those people who uh, try to deceive people that they know something, but when they uh, just uh, try to give the marks, the signs, then they lose. And there is another story which is very interesting about love again and what love can do and what service can give to humanity. That there were two tribes. There was a feud and animosity between them. They had prepared themselves to fight against each other and uh, just at the moment when they wanted to attack, a spiritual master happened to pass by a great Morshed, a great guru named Hassan. And then the head of the first tribe knew him. He was his master. He came to him and prostrated before him and fell down on his feet and started expressing his devotion. And the head of the other tribe also did the same. And then as one on this leg and the other on this on the other feet on the other foot was expressing his devotion they looked up and looked at each other one of them said to the other do you love this man he said yes i i adore him i'm ready to sacrifice my life for him what do you ask he said well i love the same person so now that we love the same person why should we want to uh, fight against each other mm -hmm. We love the same person. So love is a source of unity. It uh, turns all animosities into reconciliation and peace again. Because, uh, of course, it is not carnal love. It, if it was carnal love, then that same unity would create a duel. They have to a duel 
because uh, it cannot be shared. But that spiritual beauty can be shared. So, and there are lots and lots of sayings and uh, tales and stories and uh, aphorism and words of wisdom in Maghalat Shams. And uh, it is quite clear from the works of Rumi that Shams spoke a few words and then Rumi was, uh, in, was excited and uh, then started composing his poems. Actually, um, in a poem by Rumi, uh, Shams complains that what is this poem? It is no good. He had composed a sonnet. He says, Khumar sheer begoftam ni behazin. I was not in, in a good mood. I, I was uh, in wine sickness. In wine sickness. Hallover. And, pardon? Hallover. Yes. Yes. And uh, so I, when I recited my poem for Shams, he said, it's no good. What is that? I said, yes, because you have not given me wine. Give me the gazelle of yourself and then I will give you qazal. Qazal means sonnet. Qazal khish be mande, qazal zeman be setan. Namai chehre she'rao, she'r taze bebin. Again, she'ra is the name of his star and then fresh poetry. If you want to me to offer fresh poetry, you have to offer me your wine, your gazelle your she'ra, your face which is like this uh, a star mm. so I'll not linger much uh, more um, about uh, discourses of uh, Shams but I'll refer to it again when I'm discussing Rumi's uh, philosophy the first problem with uh, Masnavi and other works of Rumi is inconsistency. You see, almost in every subject you find contradictory expressions. I'll give you some examples. You have to be awake. Rumi often says, well, why are you sleeping? Be awake. And in other places he says, Why are you awake? Go to sleep. <laughs> then you must be sober. Sobriety is praise. You should be sober. Why are you negligent and you are, you are intoxicated with, uh, with the, this wine, with this wine of grape, which mm. gives you no happiness? and leave that intoxication with an engagement with the world. Because everything, not only wine, everything, every engagement makes you intoxicated. An office, for example, makes you intoxicated. So he says, this intoxication of wine, which deceives you and doesn't give you any happiness, so leave that and be sober. And then he says, well, you have to be intoxicated. In sobriety, you have to suffer grief all the time and it is no good. You should be reasonable. If you have no reason, then 
what is the distinction between a man and animal? So this is all reason and intellect. And then he says, what is this reason? It is all deceit. And uh, uh, he gives the story of uh, a fool who had married uh, a prostitute. And then when the king came to know that his fool had married a prostitute, he came and said, well, who is that? You could tell me and I'll offer you a virtuous continent girl. He said, well, I took nine of those continent girls and none of them was good. So I have just tried to this one. I want to try this one. So, and then he said, I have tried intellect. Intellect is that virtuous lady which betrayed. He says that which betrayed me. But no, this time I'm going to try madness. So, you are free. Rumi said that you are free, you are responsible. You can't say that God has imposed me and if there is no compulsion, you, you feel free and gives many reasons. And, and I mean, he argues against predestination and for free will, that you have to use your free will, your power, and uh, you are responsible before God. But again, he says, what is uh, this freedom? It is just uh, an illusion. We have no freedom. And then we will read certain parts today in a prayer by Rumi that we are like, uh, even if we attack, we are like a lion which attacks. But the lion on the banner, which attacks because of the wind, not because of ourselves. The wind is hidden and our, the attack is clear, is uh, apparent, but uh, the wind is hidden. And uh, may I be sacrificed for the one which is hidden. So, you are free, you are not free. Philosophy is good. Rumi himself argues many times in Masnavi, even he argues against argument and he philosophizes against philosophy <laughs> he says uh, those who use these philosophical arguments they they have uh, stilted uh, is that right they walk yes. on stilts they walk on yes they walk on sticks stilts stilts yes yeah. uh, and uh, those legs it doesn't it's uh, has no pliability. Uh, yes. Unstable. Not stable, yes. Yes. Reflexible. Inflexible. Yes. So, this is again an argument Rumi is using. Mm. Yes. And then he says, Then it's just like an analogy, a logical analogy. That's right. So, philosophy and reason and intellect are sometimes rejected and sometimes praised. Mm. And sometimes he says that reason or universal intellect, universal intellect, this is the father of love. Sometimes says that when love comes, intellect goes away and uh, like a shadow disappears. When the son of love comes, uh, all shadows like reason, reason would, be dis would disappear. Mm -hmm. So, and there are, on every subject, 
on every subject you call, you find this inconsistency. It is because Rumi is not consistent with one idea. He is consistent with the world. He is consistent with human nature. And human nature um, has uh, uh, these contradictions mm -hmm. which really are not contradictions. They can be dissolved. They can be resolved. I mean, mm, they can be resolved. Uh, I'll give you some more examples of this inconsistency. You should be polite. And you should have courtesy. A person without courtesy is rejected. Even Satan, Satan was rejected by God because he was discourteous, because he was, he was impudent, insolent, because he stand, stood before God and said, well, you uh, misguided me and you yourself incited me to sin. So it was discourtesy. Mm -hmm. While man was courteous, mm -hmm. and when God asked him, why did you uh, disobey me? He said, well, sorry. He was uh, courteous, and he, he, didn't, he wasn't so impudent and uh, rude to say, well, you had predestined everything. He didn't say that. He was courteous. So courtesy is highly praised as Khuda Ju'im Tawfiq Adab. Be adab mahrumman as lutfarab. He's praying, Oh God, grant us courtesy because without courtesy there is no grace mm -hmm. of thee. But again, he says, Hazar ilma adab mani khaje. I had a thousand uh, merits and courtesy. Kunun ke masto kharabam salai bi adabis. Now I am incourteous. I don't. I, 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 can't be courteous anymore because I'm intoxicated and in a state of intoxication you cannot keep your courtesy mm -hmm. and love um, knows no courtesy at all this is by Hafiz uh, courtesy in love is all discourtesy could we use that word? Yes, yes. yes courtesy in love is all discourtesy uh, and ummatu uh, and Rumi uses the same I, I was a scholar I was very grave and very courteous and uh, but now that I'm intoxicated uh, don't expect uh, any courtesy from me tonight don't expect any courtesy from me because I am beside myself and I cannot uh, be courteous anymore. Mm -hmm. So, uh, sometimes he says that you should have deen, means religion, mm. and fidelity. And then he says, lose this religion. What is this religion you have? <laughs> lose it. And a beloved may come, a fair maid, has to come and rob you of this religion, which is useless. So there are hundreds of uh, subjects, almost all, on all of them, you find that uh, Rumi uh, contradicts himself. But none of them is real contradiction. But uh, in every case, uh, he is true. There is a grain of truth.
in this variety of expression. It is true that you are responsible, but it is true that everything is predestined by God. And uh, we are nothing. It is true that uh, you have to follow your reason, and it is true in other cases, because uh, to, to, a, to a certain extent you follow uh, reason. And from there on, reason doesn't help you. So you have to leave it. Uh, you are going uh, on the sea, seashore. Before you get to the sea, you can leave traces, your footprint. But what is the footprint inside the sea? These footprints are philosophical arguments. There's no argument when you come to the sea itself, because there, you cannot leave any footprint anymore. So there is a story by Mullah Nasreddin that he was, he had a gathering and many of his students and friends uh, were present. Some of them said something about uh, fidelity and infidelity and somebody else, Rumi said, uh, sorry, Mullah said, well, you are right. The other one said the, the opposite. Again, Mullah said, well, you are right. <laughs> A third one came and said, <laughs> Uh, opposite the two, the first two, and then again Mullah said, well, there is a grain of truth in what you say, you are right. So everybody, whatever he expressed, Mullah said, well, you are right. Somebody got angry in the midst, in the gathering, and said, wow, is it, uh, what is this sort of judgment you are making, Mullah? Everybody comes and uh, talks to you, and whatever he says, you, you say you are right. And Mullah said, you are right. <laughs> it's true because there is a grain of truth in, in everything now I think it's good that I show you through the works of Rumi himself how these uh, uh, contradictions are resolved and how they are not contradictory at all it is all consistency and all harmony and he never contradicts himself because uh, he doesn't believe in two he believes in one and this uh, according to uh, Emerson this foolish consistency uh, which uh, is uh, only the hobgoblin as Emerson says the hobgoblin of simple minds and little minds see they try to attach themselves to a particular idea and try to be consistent to that so that people would not criticize and they are afraid of being misunderstood. All great people have been misunderstood. Mm. So, no great genius was ever afraid of being misunderstood. Quran is all seems to be contradictions. Uh, but there are no contradictions. It is all harmonious. It is... Uh, it has enjoys utmost consistency. So, for example, this uh, uh, second, we start from this with Persian. Uh, from next time, I'll try to give uh, the, the Persian uh, equivalent, uh, I mean the, the Persian text of all poems. Uh, will you please read uh, the 
the, the English? Uh, the English, yes. Uh -huh. yes English. Infidelity is ignorance, and the ordainment of infidelity is wisdom. Yesterday, a man who was fond of dialectic put a question to me. He said, the prophet says that to be pleased with infidelity is an act of infidelity, and his words are conclusive, like a seal. Yes. You see, this is a tradition by Muhammad, ar-reza bil-kufr, kufr, means if you are pleased with infidelity, you are infidel. You shouldn't be pleased with infidelity. You shouldn't accept that people should be infidels. Mm -hmm. You should encourage them to be uh, faithful. So this is one tradition. But another tradition contradicts this one. Of course, a seeming contradiction. Yes. But he has also declared that the Muslim must be pleased with every divine ordainment. Again, so there is another tradition that every true Muslim has to accept mm -hmm. whatever God has ordained. So one of the things God has ordained is this infidelity. <laughs> so if I accept it, I am infidel. If I don't accept it, I am infidel. <laughs> Because if I don't accept it, they say, well, you don't accept the ordinance of God, the ordainment of God. <laughs> And if I accept it, then say, well, you accept infidelity, so you must be infidel. <laughs> so what can I do? The man is asking Rumi, actually. Now, is not infidelity and hypocrisy God's ordainment? If I am pleased with infidelity, I shall be disobeying God. And if I am not pleased, that too will be wicked. How can I escape from this dilemma? I replied, infidelity is the thing ordained, not the ordainment, but the effect of the ordainment. I acquiesce in infidelity in that respect, that it is God's ordainment, not in this respect, that it is our rebelliousness and wickedness. In respect of the ordainment, Infidelity is not infidelity. Do not call God infidel. Recant. Infidelity is ignorance, and the ordainment of infidelity is wisdom. How, pray, should Helm, Ruth, and Clean, Wrath, be identical? The ugliness of the script is not the uh, ugliness sorry, of the script. Sorry, this is Helm. It, uh, it is a, oh, Helm, sorry. Yes, it is a typographical mistake. Oh, right. Uh, K-H- I L M. It should be Helm. Helm uh -huh. is the opposite of Helm. Helm mm -hmm. is patience and forbearance, mm -hmm. while Helm is um, color and wrath, mm. state of being angry. And that is the respect that God is ordaining everything in relation to Him and to His ordainment. Everything is good. I accept it that in this universe there should be light and darkness there should be literacy and illiteracy there should be fidelity and infidelity i have nothing against it but when it comes to my relation to the infidel it is different if you ask moses for example why are you fighting against pharaoh he was fighting against pharaoh Um, he would say, well, I'm not against him, really. Uh, God, has, um, God has ordered me that I should fight against him. Mm. 
But uh, I agree, I accept that there should be a pharaoh in this world. Otherwise, what, what service could I do? <laughs> you see, if there was no pharaoh, I was useless <laughs> as a prophet. <laughs> so, in, in the theater of the world, when you are outside the theater, uh, Desdemona is good and Yago is not good. Mm. But when you come attributed to Shakespeare, Shakespeare as skillfully depicted Desdemona as Yago. They are both good because it was created by Shakespeare. Mm. Mm-hmm. So a painter who paints the devil in the most ugly form, he is a skillful. Mm. And the angel in most beautiful form. So, in respect to the painter, they are both equally praised and good. You have to accept it and praise it, even. But when it comes to your relation with uh, the thing itself, when you are inside the theater, then Yago is Yago and uh, Desdemona is Desdemona. They are different. One is good and the other is bad. So, he says that uh, while you... Uh, the two traditions are right. You have to accept whatever God's, God has ordained. But you shouldn't, as a person, accept that people be wicked. Well, uh, now, uh, uh, we will go back to that first uh, polycopy, which is a prayer. Mm-hmm. In this prayer, you will see that Rumi is discussing about uh, predestination and uh, free will in detail Mm -hmm. and he gives his for and against arguments for free will and predestination in terms Uh, which one? Zeshtiye Khat you mean the Persian one? Zeshtiye Khat Zeshtiye Naqash Nis uh, it means painting here. Mm-hmm. When a painter, for example, has painted a, an old hag, a witch, a, a, a wicked witch, yeah. wizard. Yeah, a wicked witch. Yeah. And uh, he, is, he has done his best mm-hmm. to make it appear most ugly and repulsive. And he's successful. So uh, the, the ugliness does not return to the king, uh, to the painter. And you should not attribute it to the painter. Whatever God has created is beautiful in respect to himself. So this is a prayer in the story of that Jew who claimed to be uh, a Christian who pretended to be a Christian and uh, created so much uh, disturbance in Christianity. I mean, in Christian theology. Yes, a babe? A babe does not contend with its nurse, but it weeps, although it knows neither evil nor good. Yes, this is most important in Rumi, that we have to weep. Rumi says, you have to be happy, don't weep. But again, he says you have to weep. <laughs> when he says that you have to weep, it means you, you have to desire. Just because this weeping uh, is your pursuit, your talab, you want something. There is a desire in you. 
So don't be without desire, because uh, the essence of us, the, the nature of us, the true nature of us is desire. What is us? It's only a desire. The greater your, your desire, the greater you are. And Rumi says that we start our life but by one point, actually. This is a small, very small desire, which is in chromosomes or maybe in the spherms. Mm-hmm. And then it gets bigger and bigger until you are yourself. The self or ego is created. And it has still desire. And then this desire becomes bigger and bigger until you desire the whole or God. Then you are a true human being. Less than that is no good for man because man should not be content with any amount. He should go to infinity. He should uh, claim all. Don't be afraid. Rumi says, don't be afraid even if you are a beggar to propose to the prince. Propose, because you have a treasure within your heart. And because of that, you are entitled to propose to the most beautiful princess, sorry, I said prince, princess, Mm -hmm. or maybe prince, if you are a girl. (laughs) You don't, don't be afraid to say, well, who am I? I am a beggar, I have nothing, how can I go to the house of, palace of the king? No, go on, be courageous and propose to God and say, well, I want you, I don't want anything less. I don't want your bounties, your, your paradise, anything. I just want you, because you are the whole. If I have you, I have all. You see, I remember I had a, a friend uh, who happened to marry a young man, and I asked her, um, how was it? Did you meet in, in the university, or what happened? Uh, she said, no, I went, I had gone to a shop, to a big shop, to buy jewels uh, for myself, and then I looked at the jeweler, and the shopkeeper, the jeweler, and I saw that the best jewel is the man himself. So I bought him, and then the whole shop was with him, and all the jewels was with him. So Rumi says that don't be content with uh, the jewels, ask for the jeweler. Yes. Yes. So weeping doesn't mean being uh, unhappy and uh, moaning and uh, grieving and bewailing. It means showing your desire, show that you want and they will give you. If the child doesn't cry, how would the mother know that uh, she is in need? She has to cry, she has to weep. (laughs) Yes? We are as the harp and thou art striking it with the plectrum. The lamentation is not from us, it is thou that art making lamentation. You see, in many cases Rumi... Uh, compares us to an instrument, to a musical instrument which is played by God. What can we do? He is playing a different tune. So what can we do? You are not bewailing. You are bewailing. Yes. We are, the, we are as the flute and the music in us is from thee. We are as the mountain and the echo in us is from thee. 
We are as pieces of chess engaged in victory and defeat. Our victory and defeat is from thee, O thou whose qualities are comely. Yes. You see, this victory and defeat is bordomat um, in Persian. means uh, you win or you are checkmated. Whether we are checkmated or we win, it has nothing to do with us. <laughs> we, because we are chessmen. So you see that uh, he, here you have no freedom at all. No free will. <laughs> right? Who are we, O thou soul of our souls, that we should remain in being beside thee? We and our existences are really non-existences. Thou art the absolute being which manifests the perishable which causes phenomena to appear. We are all lions, but lions on a banner because of the wind. They are rushing onward from moment to moment. Their onward rush is visible and the wind is unseen. May that which is unseen not fail from us. Our wind that whereby we are moved and our being are of thy gift. Our whole existence is from thy bringing us into being. Thou didst show the delightfulness of being unto not being after thou hadst caused not being to fall in love with thee. Take not away the delightfulness of thy bounty. Take not away thy dessert and wine and wine cup. And if thou take it away, who is there that will make inquiry? How should the picture strive with the painter? With a painter. This is another image that we are being painted. And uh, what can we do? You have made a squinted eye, for example. What can we do? <laughs> what can we, how can we fight against the painter? How can the painting fight against the painter? And uh, protest that why are you giving me Uh, dark colors or bright colors. Yes, you see, he says that. Uh, yes, you see, this wujud and Adam. Adam Hoya Adam Hoyim Hastiha Nama to wujud Mutlagi. See, again, one of these questions is that existence, existence sometimes means God, absolute existence, but sometimes non-existence means God, and existence means our limitations and our being, our limited being is called existence. And then he rejects existence. What is love? It is two miles away from existence, mm-hmm. according to Rumi. You see, hasti. hasti means two miles away from existence. We arrived the group of uh, believers. Rumi says that believing in God is departing from this existence of yourself. This selfish desires, this self-consciousness all the time and thinking about yourself. Mm-hmm. Wanting everything for yourself. 
this existence, this wujud, is to be denied, is to be annihilated. Or hasti in Persian. You have to leave your hasti. در منزل اول به دو فرسنگی هستی در قافله امت مرحوم رسیدیم so sometimes existence is to be rejected but true existence is called non-existence because people don't see that and think that it, it doesn't exist Rumi says that we are really non-existent but we seem to be existent but thou art really existing, but seem to be non-existent. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You see, so uh, people are doubtful whether he exists or not. Mm-hmm. They believe in themselves, in their own, their, in their limited existence, but they don't believe in absolute existence. How could existence come to me if there was no absolute existence? So, actually, in the ocean of existence, existence. This part is called existence. And every quiddity and every essence, every quiddity is a different form and a limitation, a limitation, a line around existence. So this is absolute existence or non-existence. This is non-existence. You remember when Archangel appeared, the Holy Spirit appeared to Mary uh, he said, I am coming from non-existence. My dwelling place is non-existence. It means absolute existence. So he says that uh, we were non-existent in the true sense of the word. We didn't exist. And you brought us into existence. And uh, you made... Uh, th- there is another beautiful expression of Rumi that uh, we really don't exist. So it is wonderful that you have made two non-existence love each other. <laughs> you see, you have made these. This is non-existence because this is the, the real nature and the real essence of this is the existence which doesn't belong to him. And what is a circle? A circle is nothing. What is the square? A square is nothing. So if you talk about the existence, existence doesn't belong to a square. Existence belongs to the uh, existence. So these quiddities are non-existence, actually. And it is very strange and wonderful that God has ordained that these non-existence should love each other. Mar Adam ra mar khodai Mar Adam ra bar Adam asher He had made non-existence loving non-existence. Because if we look deep in our own being, we find that our limitation, limitation is non-existence, because it means no more existence. And Rumi again says that whatever is evil, it is because of non-existence, not because of existence, because existence is all good, all beauty, true existence, I mean. And whatever is evil, it is because of non-existence. Uh, I remember that we had uh, a teacher in university, a professor, he, he gave us a very good example that he said that if you uh, give a beggar one pence, for example, one pence, he would throw it away. Mm. What is this? You will give me one pence? Uh, I, I will, I'm asking for one pound. 
So he throws it away. Why does he throw it away? Is it because of one pence, of being one pence, or for not being 99 other pence? It is not because of being, it is because of not being. You see? Whatever is rejected, it is not because of it exists. It is because something doesn't exist. So, wickedness, for example, a person is wicked. It means he has less. When we become less and less, smaller and smaller, then the person, why does he lie? Lying is not bad. It is being small. When you desire very little, you say a lie, you tell a lie in order to get something. So your desires are small. If you tell the truth, you desire the truth itself. So you are greater. So whatever evil in the world is because of non-existence, true non-existence. So there is no evil in God. God is all existence, absolute existence. So evil is something uh, related to uh, these limited things which creates evil. And he has a discussion with Zoroastrians who say that uh, there is a God of evil and there is a God of uh, uh, good. And Rumi says, well, show me something which is evil, absolutely evil, to be created by that God. Whatever you call evil, from another point of view, it might be good. It's like the story of uh, a person, a shop which sold uh, cats and had written a sign that uh, cats good for mice. Mm -hmm. Somebody bought one, bought a cat and brought it home, but he thought that it can't get the mice. It's, the mice are going this way and that way and it doesn't do anything. Mm. It's too weak to get the mice. And brought it back and said, well, you had said that it is good for mice. Cats good for mice. Mm. And it is not. He said, well, it is very good for mice. Mm. It is good for mice. Mm. Because the best cat for the mice is the, the cat which doesn't, uh, is not able to catch them. Yes. <laughs> so whatever you call uh, evil is good for something else. If it rains, some people are praying for rain. Some people, well, what bloody weather is it? So, you can't say something is absolutely evil to attribute it to the God of evil. We can't have one God of evil and one God of good because nothing is absolutely good or absolutely evil. Right? Do not look on us. Do not fix thy gaze on us. Look on thine own kindness and generosity. We were not, and there was no demand on our part. Yet the grace was hearkening to our unspoken prayer and calling us into existence. Now he wants to say that we, we didn't even, ex uh, we had no begging even. We, had, uh, we didn't exist at all to ask you to grant us, to bring us into being. We couldn't even do that. But uh, your grace, your mercy, even heard the unsaid words of us in non-existence. <laughs> right? Before omnipotence, all the people... Oh, sorry. Before the painter and the brush, the picture is helpless and bound like a child in the womb. Before omnipotence, all the people of the divine court of audience of the world are as helpless as the embroiderer's fabric before the needle. Yes. 
Now he, you see, he changes the metaphor every time. Now God makes the picture thereon, one of the devil, now of Adam. Now he makes the picture thereon, one of joy, now one of grief. There is no power to anyone that he should move a hand in defense, no right of speech that he should utter a word concerning injury or benefit. Recite from the Quran the interpretation of, that is to say, a text which interprets the preceding verse. God said, Thou didst not throw when thou threwest. You see, it is a verse in the Quran that Wama uh, Ramaita is Ramait, Walakin Allah Rama. When you throw the stone or the, the arrow, it was not you, it was God. Mm-hmm. If we let fly an arrow, that action is not from us. We are only the bow, and the shooter of the arrow is God. This is not Jabr. That then is to immediately say, he says, it is, not, it is not predestination, it is not Jabr, because uh, the Islamic community was divided into Jabri and Ikhtiari, those who believed that God has uh, predestined everything yes. and we willy-nilly, we have to do it. Mm-hmm. They called them Jabri. And uh, means compulsory. Jabr means compulsion. Mm-hmm. And ikhtiari means having freedom. Mm-hmm. So in Mis- uh, Rumi is neither jabri nor ikhtiari. Mm-hmm. Because he rejects both. Determination and free will. Yes. Mm-hmm. This is not jabr, compulsion or determination, or determinism. It is the meaning of jabbari, almightiness. The mention of almightiness is for the sake of inspiring us with humility. Our humility is evidence of necessity, but our sense of guilt is evidence of free will. If there were not free will, what is this shame? Why, should, why are we ashamed of what we are doing? If we are forced or do it compulsory, so what is this sense of guilt and this shame? So it means that we, are, we have the free will anyway. And what is this sorrow and guilty confusion and abashment? Why is there chiding between masters and pupils? Why is the mind changing so as to depart from plans already formed? Uh, in, let me recite the Persian poem, which is uh, now that it's been recorded. Garnabudi ehtiar in sharmchist, in hayavu khejlatu azarmchist. جور استادان به شاگردان چراست فکرت از تدبیرشان گردان چراست این که گویی این کنم یا آن کنم you say I'll do this I'll do that it means that you're free این که گویی این کنم یا آن کنم خود دلیل اختیار است ایسنم it's a good uh, reason I mean it's a good uh, argument for free will and if you say that one is the asserter of free will, takes no heed of, his, of God's compulsion or determinism, and that God's moon has become hidden in his cloud, there is a good answer to this. Yes. Here somebody may say, well, it is true that we have the sense of guilt and we are ashamed, but this being ashamed is also predestined by God and we have no free will in that case. So if a person is more intelligent 
and would say that, then Rumi has answers him. If you hearken, you will relinquish unbelief and incline towards the true religion. Remorse and humility occur at the time of illness. The time of illness is holy wakefulness of conscience. At the time when you are becoming ill, you pray God to forgive your trespass. The foulness of your sin is shown to you. You resolve to come back the right way. You make promises and vows that henceforth your chosen course of action will be nothing but obedience to God. Therefore, it has become certain that illness gives you conscience and wakefulness. Note then this principle, O thou that seekest the principle. Everyone who suffers pain has caught the scent thereof. The more wakeful anyone is, the more full of suffering he is, the more aware of God he is, the paler he is in countenance. If you're aware of his jabr, compulsion, where is your humility? Where is your feeling of being loaded with the chain of his jabbari, almightiness? You see, Rumi wants to say that people make a pretext of uh, this jabr and misuse it. Actually, it is abusing the idea of jab. They don't really believe in jab. So Rumi says, well, if you are really, if you have understood that everything is ordained by God, so it should uh, appear in your behavior. And your behavior shows that you don't believe in that. So mm-hmm. don't speak about uh, jab. Mm-hmm. You have no right to speak about jab. While you really believe in freedom. You are fighting with people with this and that. Uh, So when it comes to religion, you say, well, God has ordained everything. It wasn't my fault. (laughs) But uh, um, all through the day and all your business and everywhere you feel quite sure that you you have your freedom. So a person who really comes to know gets a sense of the almightiness of God and that everything is ordained by God, he is a different person. He he is completely changed, and his behavior and his expressions are totally different. That's right. How should one make merry who is bound in chains? When does the captive in prison behave like the man who is free? And if you consider that your foot is shackled and that the king's officers are sitting as custodians over you, then do not act like an officer tyrannously towards the helpless, inasmuch as that is not the nature and habit of a helpless man. Since you do not feel his compulsion, do not say that you are compelled, and if you feel it, where is the sign of your feeling? In every act for which you have indication, you are clearly conscious of your power to perform it. But in every act for which you have no inclination and desire... In regard to that act, you have become a necessitarian, saying, this is from God. Yes. So every people, every time when they want to uh, renounce their responsibility, they become jabri, (laughs) and they say, well, everything is ordained by God. And Rumi says, Satan, the difference between devil and man, is that devil became jabri. The devil... When he asked, he was asked, why you disobeyed, he said, which is because you had ordained. Mm. He was impudent and he was rejected. 
But when man was called, there is a very funny story here. Rumi narrates that in Masnavi, that once a lion, uh, I don't know whether I said this tale or not, that once a lion and a fox and a wolf went hunting. No, he didn't. And each of them hunted uh, some prey and uh, the lion got a deer and the wolf a sheep and the and the fox a, uh, a hare for example a chicken or a, a, chicken chicken or a hare yes khargush a hare so they put it there and uh, the lion asked the wolf to divide it justly he said okay divide it the lion uh, I mean the wolf said, well, it is very clear, the just division is that you can have your own share, your deer, and I'll get my sheep, and he will get his hair. <laughs> the lion became angry and attacked the uh, wolf and tore him to pieces <laughs> and cut his head off and threw it away. <laughs> and then came to the fox and said, well, now you can divide it justly. The fox looked around and said, well, that deer is for your dinner and that sheep is for your supper and this small hare is for your breakfast. Is that good? He said, well, excellent. How did you learn this uh, wise division? He said, I got it from the help, uh, head of the wolf. <laughs> I learned it from the head of the wolf. So, when... Uh, uh, Adam was lucky that he was called later. First, Satan, the devil, was called mm -hmm. to judgment. Mm -hmm. And then he was asked, why did you disobey? He said, well, you uh, you uh, what could you say? You, you, you deceived me. Yes, you deceived me and you was the cause of my uh, sin. Yes. So he said, you are rejected, get out of this paradise, there is no, no place for you in this uh, garden. Right. And then Adam and Eve were called, so they had seen what had happened, mm. like the, the fox. Right. And then when he said, why did you do that, why did you disobey, he said, well, we didn't know, and we were ignorant, and it's better that you be merciful for us and pardon us mm -hmm. and then later God asked Adam well you didn't really know that I had ordained that you should eat that apple or that grain mm -hmm. he said well I knew that I knew everything I knew more than devil <laughs> but it was not courteous because I was in love with you and I didn't want to discuss to to <laughs> struggle I mean to quarrel with you <laughs> when you said well it was your fault I said well this is my fault because there, our relation with was love and in love there is no quarrel uh, do we have time um, well about t ten, we can minutes. Read ten minutes ten minutes ten minutes so we can uh, quickly read this other right. part right. this is again related to this question of uh, free will and almightiness of God yes an ant, walking on a piece of paper, saw the pen writing and began to praise the pen. Another ant, 
which was more keen-sighted, said, Praise the fingers, for I deem this accomplishment to proceed from them. Another aunt, more clear-sighted than either, said, I praise the arm, for the fingers are a branch of the arm, etc. Now we come to the text. A little aunt saw a pen writing on a paper and told this mystery to another aunt, saying, That pen made wonderful pictures like sweet basil and beds of lilies and roses. The other aunt said, That artist is the finger, and this pen is actually no more than the derivative, the instrument, and the sign. A third aunt said, It's the work of the arm, by whose strength the slender finger depicted it. In this fashion, the argument was carried upward, till the chief of the ants, who was a little bit sagacious, said, Do not regard this accomplishment as proceeding from the material form, which becomes unconscious in sleep and death. Form is like a garment or a staff. Bodily figures do not move except by means of intellect and spirit. The wise aunt was unaware that without the controlling influence of God, that intellect and heart or mind would be inert. If he withdrew his favor from it for a single moment, the acute intellect would commit many follies. Yes, you see that uh, even the most sagacious ant was wrong because he thought that it was the heart. He didn't know that there is a heart charmer with God and the heart is in his hand. According to a verse in the Quran, the heart is in the hand of God. So he can give it the shape of whatever he wants. And Rumi, in one of his sonnets, he says, Mm. If he gives me the shape of a dagger, I am a dagger. If he gives me the shape of a goblet, a cup, I would be a cup. So whatever shape he gives me, I would accept it. So uh, this was just an introduction to uh, the basic ideas of Rumi and the harmony behind the contradictions. And uh, from next time, we will start with uh, Rumi's philosophy, its relation to Aristotle, how he expounds the Aristotelian philosophy to his own benefits. He, he is not a preposition. He is not a follower of uh, Flutine or Neoplatonism mm-hmm. or Plato. Whatever he says comes out of his own heart. Mm-hmm. He, but he often borrows the terminology from different sects, from different religions, from different schools of philosophy. But mm-hmm. he many times he emphasizes that, that whatever I say is out of my own vision. Mm-hmm. It is not because I'm following anybody. Yes. Thank you. Dr. Gomshe, I think several people have some questions yes. because you've, you've opened up a whole uh, bunch of contradictions, as you yourself have yes. said. So I think anyone that wants to ask a question should, if you have yes. the time. Mm-hmm. I have a question to begin yes. with. Yes. There's a prevalent idea in the West that reality is to be put on the firm foundation of despair, as Burton Russell put it. Yeah. And you would seem that Outwardly, you look at this line by Rumi here, 631, How should one make merit who is bound in canes? When does the captive in prison behave like a man who is free? 
that you know he talks about you, 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 whoever whoever is is suffers pain. The more wakeful you are, the more full of suffering you are. But obviously, this is not a suffering which is the ordinary suffering. It's a suffering of of more profound than that. No, Rumi. Yes, you are right. Uh, Rumi is actually. Uh, explaining how suffering and joy are together in that suffering yes you know when you are suffering when you are suffering you are in a better mood to find uh, that uh, you are a captive yes in the hand of other forces yes so you better feel that compulsion you better feel that predestination mm-hmm. So, for the people who claim to believe in predestination, but they don't have that humility, that submission, Mm. it means that they are lying. They really don't believe. And they are making a pretext of it. Yes. But I didn't get your... Well, you know, uh, elsewhere he says in the Divan Shams, Harkas or Dedidi... Oh, yes, yes, that is different, yes. Whoever you see to be depressed is in love with their own work. Yes, you are right. Do not be, do not be in love with your own work and look at my work. In other words, depression, there's no place for depression in Rumi's philosophy. Right, right. So this here, it needs some explanation, now I see. Yes. You see, one of these problems is that you have to be happy and then he says... Uh, that uh, unhappiness mm. and grief is a sure sign of being sinful. Mm. Even Epictetus, it is attributed to Epictetus that he says that to be sinful, uh, to be unhappy, is to be sinful. <laughs> and Rumi says, "Tato tari ko malulosh kirei don ki ba devil la in hamshirei." You are a friend, a companion of devil. If you are unhappy and gloomy and boring, then you surely, you are surely a friend of devil. You're a fellow suckling. Yes. <laughs> fellow suckling, yes. <laughs> fellow suckling. So, but uh, this is uh, different. Rumi, again, says, if you don't have that, that is, means that desire. At the same time, it means suffering. But he uses it in another sense. This dad is very good. You have to suffer some dad. You have to show that you are uh, you are being in pain, but in pain for achieving some great um, ideal. It's not desire. It's more like pining or longing. Actually, longing. Yes. Actually, Nicholson translates the word "dard" usually as passion. Yes, right. So I, right. I, I think the His translation here is his fault. It should be suffering. Very good, yeah. Yes. Instead of suffering, I would say the more full of passion he is. Yeah. Yes. Yes, full of passion. So that well, is good when it means passion. But that is no good. No, it isn't. And pain isn't at all negative. I mean, the whole point, the difference between dad and ranj and pain and suffering. I mean, it's Hoffa uh, says uh, that... It means you can never get to pleasure without suffering pain. 
But that mm. suffering pain but doesn't it, mean you are selfish. But he also says that Tati that the more feeling pain. Pain is necessary, but suffering is, uh, that is to say, oh, oh gosh, it really hurts. Yeah, it's being offended, Terry, not... No, yes, Ranjidan well, is being offended. It's Ranjidan true, it has that meaning also. But offended uh, or annoyed. This yeah. Yes. Yeah. If you are annoyed yes. or offended by anyone, mm. then you are not a lover. Yeah, you are infidel, according to Hafiz. That's right. And uh, he says that, uh, uh, there is a very nice poem by Rumi, Uh, as mm-hmm. if you ever happen to be offended from anyone mm. just tell to yourself mm. uh, address yourself and say well uh, did you not claim to have relieved from thyself <laughs> and thy devilish self <laughs> so it is a proof that you have not as harkitoranjidi bakhish begu bari ey del to nemi gofti kashi shudam khali You claim to have uh, empty, uh, I mean, to have uh, get rid of yes. your devilish mm. self. Mm. So how is it that you get dif- offended? Mm. So getting offended is a sign of infidelity. Mm. Yes. But uh, this range then is different from range. Mm. Range is suffering. Suffering for a great cause. If you don't suffer mm. the hardships of achieving a great cause, you will never achieve it. So this suffering is a condition, is a precondition for any great achievement. Mm. But there is another suffering. If you suffer from the behavior of people, it yes. is no good sign. It means that you are selfish. Yes. So this is, again, another of those series of uh, contradictions that you have to mm. never get annoyed, mm. never be unhappy, never to complain, mm. never to complain, because if you complain, it means that you are not content with the ordainment of God. Mm. But again, you have to protest, you have to suffer, you have to not to be content with where you are, you, you are here, you should cry out, you should weep, you should shout and say that I want to be here and I'm not in, in I'm not happy here yeah. so this unhappiness is not selfishness mm-hmm. this, this is a longing a yearning mm-hmm. a desire to go higher and higher but if you are in your relation with other people you constantly are gloomy and unhappy, it means you are selfish So this uh, is a desire, this is a passion, which uh, in Persian uh, share with the word Ranjidan and Ranj, but it doesn't mean that. It's like there's that analogy, they always say that not everyone who runs after the deer catches it, but anybody who caught the deer definitely ran after it. Yes, so not, you have not to strive. Not yes, you have to strive. Even if there is no particular uh, clear goal before you, mm-hmm. uh, because uh, he gives an example that when Joseph was attacked by Zuleikha, mm-hmm. and Zuleikha was, wanted to capture um, him mm-hmm. and run after him, and his shirt was 
torn. Then he ran away. He ran away when he saw that he was sure that all doors were were closed, and there was no way out. He was quite sure, but still he ran away. And Rumi says, all of a sudden a door was opened. When he ran away, so you have to strive. Don't think that well. Where can I take refuge? There is no refuge. Just seek the refuge, and then it will come uh, to appear. Any other questions? Well, thank you very much. Thank you very much.